Dear listeners, learners of English, how are you? I hope you're all well. This is your host, Josh, joined by... Hi, everyone. It's Iona. Welcome to this very special episode of the Comprehensible Australian Podcast, a podcast for learners of English by an Australian English speaker and ESL teacher. Today, we have a very special episode. We have a very special guest, and she's also an English teacher. I'll introduce you to her in a few moments. But before we begin, remember to subscribe to me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It's the Comprehensible Australian Podcast. Check out my new website and subscribe to my YouTube channel. The links are all in the show notes. So for today's episode, Australia versus Japan, an ocean away. So let's get started. So, um, Iona, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely. So I want to say first, thank you so much for having me, Josh. I love this podcast. It's so creative. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, as Josh said, I'm an English teacher. I'm from Scotland. Um, right now, I'm currently living in Japan. But I met Josh when I was living in Melbourne and we used to work together at the same school. We've both got... Oh, I, <laughs> I do want to say, I do want to say that I worked at the school first and then I owned a job. That was true. But you were so welcoming when I joined. You were always talking to me about my PowerPoints and stuff like this. And we got, <laughs> we got a lot of information from each other. Josh is fantastic at teaching pronunciation, by the way, guys. He's, it helped me out in a few times as well when I couldn't understand the differences. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me from Scotland. I used to live in Australia and now living in Japan. I'm kind of constantly restless for a new country yeah so um what's the what's the next country then oh god i don't know i was thinking maybe europe because the southern hemisphere i just uh, couldn't yeah. get used to the weather you know like yeah fair enough that makes it that makes sense well i'm a bit jealous of you because i have never lived overseas i've lived my whole life in australia so um, I just think it's just so amazing that you've been able to move to Japan um, and even, yeah, moving to Melbourne, like that was really exciting. Yeah, it really yeah. was. But it's, um, no, I've, I've been very, very lucky. And I think it's a good thing you've been in Australia because that's what makes this podcast, right? You've got all the information. You're the go-to guy for the Australian <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, I... I'm certainly not an expert, but I I am Australian, so I, I do know a little bit about Australia. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, today's podcast is about living in Japan versus living in Australia. So, Iona is really the perfect person to talk about this because she has lived in Japan before and she's currently living in Japan. And she also has lived in Australia. Um now, I also have some experience with Japan. I went there on a holiday maybe, oh, how long ago? I was 14 years old when I went to Japan. Um, and, yeah, I thought Japan was a really cool country, lots of technology, awesome culture, um, really polite people. 
Um, so um, let's get started in discussing Japan. So um, let's just start with what is your impression of Japan versus Australia, Iona? Just a broad picture. It was kind of similar to what you said, to be honest, Josh. Like, I think um, as a foreigner, when you move to Japan, especially from a foreigner that comes from a Western country, I think you have the impression first of the technology, right? Which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. It's quite a funny mm. thing because mm. you think, wow, it's going to be so futuristic, like a science fiction movie like Blade Runner or something like this. And then you find out they still use facts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's so true. They do use facts. Yeah, yeah. So that's like a little stereotype you have before you before you come to Japan. And there's some parts of the technology that's amazing. Like even in McDonald's, you know, the sauce packets sometimes um, are just you think wow this is so unique and so creative um i think also before i came to japan there was the impression um of japanese people being very polite quite shy quite humble and things like this so for example when i'm over here nobody will come up to me in the street and i don't think that's because they're scared of me. I think it's just a, a cultural thing. It's just not very common. I don't see other people going up to other people on the street, especially in Tokyo. But you can say that about busy cities, you know, that people are, you know, mm-hmm. going up, uh, you know, they're going to work or whatever, and they don't have time to stop and chat or be friendly. But I feel like in comparison to Melbourne, uh, the atmosphere in Melbourne is a bit more laid back. When I think about Melbourne, I think about um, coffee shops and the beach. And I feel like no matter the situation, you know, whether it's someone going to work or whatever, they've always got time to get like a takeaway latte or something like this in mm-hmm. Melbourne, right? So I think it's I think it's really interesting that you mentioned about people coming up to you in the street Mm -hmm. and I was gonna say yeah I I think in Melbourne people don't really come up to you in the street Mm -hmm. as well but then um I think about the time yeah I'm thinking about the time when I lived in the country in country Victoria and people did come up to you in the street and say like they would say hello to you Mm -hmm. and um so on so forth so um I think that cultural difference that you're talking about really does exist yeah i think you know you're definitely right that you could see it between cities and um you know like country areas like where i'm living right now it's it's we had a little joke about this earlier it's technically still tokyo but it's uh kind of at the mountains basically it's hachioji is where i'm living and it's a beautiful place and you can already even though it's 30 minutes by train to Shinjuku, um, you can really see the difference in the culture of the people. But I would still say for me, and I feel like Melbourne just was a little bit more, people are a bit more open. Like for example, if I smiled at someone on the street, they'd smile back at me. They might think, what's she doing? <laughs> but they would smile back. <laughs> Whereas in Japan, uh, I remember I was yeah, in the supermarket yeah. yesterday and uh, there's, there's quite a few foreigners who live in Hachioji. I was talking uh, to my husband and 
this little old lady who kind of looked at me and held her look for quite a while and I smiled back because I felt very uncomfortable um, and she just shoot, looked the other way. <laughs> uh, actually, the same thing happened to me on a train in Japan. Oh, really? Someone was looking at me and then I smiled at them and then they just pretended, oh, no, I'm not looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's like the um, universal thing for foreigners over here. <laughs> yeah. So um I remember in Japan, since you're talking about trains, I remember that the trains just being so confusing but also so awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like do you do you feel the same way? Like what's what's your impression of the trains in Japan? I love them. If we are comparing them to, I know we're not going to talk about Scotland much, but if we're comparing it to Scotland or Australia, um, it's just so different. When I was living in mm. Australia, I lived mm. in St Kilda and I'd usually get the tram. So the delays were not that bad, to be honest. But, um, you know, when I was going to different parts um, I would sometimes take the train and honestly the delays were just oh my god it was outrageous I remember when the Frankston line um was down and you had to go all the way yeah. to Brighton it was just oh god so in Japan yeah. that doesn't happen um what happens when you are over here um now it might happen if you're a tourist it's not really a problem to be honest if the train is delayed by 10 minutes um, when you go off the train, they'll give you like a little ticket sort of thing and you can give that to your employer explaining why you're late. So basically, mm-hmm. um, you'll get fully refunded for the amount that you paid for the ticket because the train was 10 minutes late. So I feel that the... What's the right word for this? I just feel like the trains are more successful. That sounds really strange, but, you know, mm, they're not yeah, really Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, they're very clean as well. If you've ever been to Japan, you'll notice there's not... The trains aren't dirty. You know, they're very, very clean. Mm. And even you know, even as an Australian, I, I really think that the trains in Melbourne are quite dirty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's rubbish everywhere. Um, it's not unusual to see food on the floor. Um, yeah, well, I don't have any other choice, I suppose. Um, <laughs> no. And yeah, definitely like what you're saying about um, the trains here, like the delays and, um, you know, when the train lines are down and you have to take buses instead, it's horrible. And it happens so often. Um, I, I think a big difference between um, Japan and Australia is the population size. So I yeah. think when you have... A city like Tokyo, which is just so big, has such a great population, then the government can actually build a really, really good train system. Mm-hmm. It's like always upgrading trains. Um, they're building new train stations. Um, so there's always delays. And yeah, you're right. Like, as you said, um, like it's horrible to be delayed from work. And I think, you know, um, employers in the workplace, in Melbourne, they just know that if someone's late, it could be because the train was delayed. And, like, that's just a part of the culture now to expect train delays. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, yeah. I think it's good that they're, you know, doing stuff with the trains. Like, a, I think the last thing I heard about was 
one of the stations they were trying to get rid of was it a level crossing or something like this um yeah so like um like where the the road goes over the train line like this yeah the level crossings yeah so that's good but yeah. there's so many of those in japan you know um right yeah okay which is quite an interesting thing because they're trying to get rid of them in australia and i agree with that because it's a little bit unsafe but in japan they're super super prevalent and it's interesting mm. because um in Japan, like you mentioned, especially Tokyo, because there's so many people, the government has money to make a good transportation system and it's expected of them. So a lot of people, there's this kind of concept over here called um, a paper driver. And a paper driver is somebody who has their license but does not drive because they live in Tokyo and they, they don't need to, right? So a lot of people mm, will just yeah. walk or take the train or you know, use their bikes. So it's, with a level crossing, I feel like they're quite dangerous for everyone apart from the trains. And that's the interesting thing because there is so many pedestrians over here, you know? And that's another big difference between Australia and Japan, I think. I think um, all my friends who are Australians, they mostly all have cars and licenses. Mm -hmm. And I'm 24, so... Obviously, 18-year-olds, they may or may not have a license because um, they've, just they've just become adults. But mm -hmm. by that time you're 24, 25, most people have a license and they drive. Um, but it sounds like that's not, the, that's not necessarily the case in Japan. You might have your license, but it sounds like you don't necessarily have a car or you just take the train. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, there's loads of paper drivers, you know, just because they there's no need. Whereas you're right, in Australia... It's you do need to. I feel like if you don't live in Melbourne CBD, then <laughs> a car would be very, very beneficial. Yeah. Well, okay. This is a, this is a generalization. Of course, there are people my age who don't have a car just because of personal reasons. Mm -hmm. They don't have a car. They don't want to drive. Um, I've dated someone who didn't have a license, and that's okay. Like you know. Mm -hmm. Um, some people just don't want to drive because, I don't know, for, for the environment, who knows? Um, yeah. So um, have you also been on the Shinkansen? Yeah. The I bullet, have. the really fast bullet train? Yeah, I have actually. I went on Shinkansen for, oh, God, maybe like three trips. I went, I quite like Hiroshima. I think it's a really beautiful place mm, uh, mm, to go mm. to. The... I've been there too, yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. Isn't it nice, like, the, the nature and stuff like this? It's obviously, I think people are aware how of its history and how sad that is, but actually, if, you know, spend a day doing that and then you go out and see the nature and the different things, and it's very beautiful. It's a different atmosphere to Tokyo. So I took the Shinkansen to Hiroshima, Um. But to be honest, <laughs> I find the Shinkansen very stressful because if you listen to the announcements that they make when you're approaching the station, so they'll say in Japanese, oh, we're about to approach the station, the exit is this side, etc. Um, but in English, they usually say <clears throat> something along the lines of you have 60 seconds to get off the train or something like this. And of course, when you hear that, you think, oh my God, 
<laughs> so you usually you've got these big suitcases, right? Because you're you're a tourist, you're on holiday, and every time I hear that, I get very stressed, and my heart beats like da dum da dum da dum da dum da dum. So it's a beautiful <laughs> oh, no. experience, but I hate the announcements. <laughs> Oh wow! I don't remember that at all. <laughs> maybe it's a new thing. No. <clears throat> yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you're speaking about travel. Um, so I wonder if you've tasted different dishes from all over Japan, and what do you think of Australian food as well? So I actually really like Australian food, to be honest. Oh, really? That's that's surprising. <laughs> I really, I really like Australian food. I love a lamington. I think they're very tasty. And I don't really like, uh, I like pies. There's a place, maybe you know it, Josh. Um, it's up, oh my goodness. I'm fr What's that mountain in Melbourne? Uh, it's in Melbourne, Mount. Oh, um, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Um, it's like, is it, I think it's like North northwest i think this so mountain. yeah so it's yeah, mount yeah oh, keep on going okay. i'll think of it i'll <laughs> okay, think okay. of it so that mountain it's, it's a really good mountain lots of people go there and take a drive and stuff it's got a nice uh, viewpoint a nice observatory um that mountain has a really famous place that does like meat pies and things and it's a rich is that mount dandenong yes Yes, Mount Dandenong. Mount Dandenong, yeah. So, viewers, if you're listening, I really recommend this kind of cafe restaurant on Mount Dandenong that's famous for pies. Unfortunately, I cannot remember the name. <laughs> but if you, Google, okay. if you Google it, you'll find it. So, I like Australian food. Um, Japanese food, I like it, but I'm a little bit limited because I don't like some like common things in Japanese food like seaweed for example or people always ask me oh do you like sushi and I I don't actually I like Australian sushi <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny yeah because Australia does have sushi that you can't get in Japan yeah I think I've heard yeah. about that I've heard that Australian sushi is honestly like its own I don't know if we can say its own cuisine but its own category isn't it Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what sushi it is you can't get in Japan. Is it the, like the, I think it's called like a maki roll. It's got like the seaweed on the outside or is it a different kind of sushi? It, it's been a long time, so. Yeah, I'm not too sure to be honest because I don't really eat sushi. Um, but I mean, around Japan you can get lots of different regional things. I think quite a common one that people think of is um, okonomiyaki, which you must have had if you went. Yeah, yeah, I've had it. I had it in Japan too, at, um, in a at a at a train station. I oh. think maybe it was Hiroshima train station, mm -hmm. or no, no, it was Osaka, Osaka train station. Um, and I just remember this um, kind of old woman. Um, really wanted to practice her English Aww. with me. <laughs> yeah. Is that the start so. of your English career? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can you could say that. You could definitely say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
you live in Japan. Obviously, you must speak Japanese, right? So, how come you can speak Japanese? How did that start? Um, so, I, I'd like to say that I'm interested in languages. I'm probably not as interested as you are. You know, Josh is very. Oh, okay. I don't know if you've talked about it in your podcast yet, but it's always, oh, I know a little bit of this language or that language. It's very impressive. Um, so, for me, um, I like languages. I used to study French, but. The male and the female aspect to French with nouns is very、mm. difficult.、Um, the gender, you mean the gender? Yeah, the gender is very, very difficult.、Yeah. So what ended up happening was when I was like、um, maybe fourteen or fifteen, I found an on I found online a summer class, a, like an intense summer class for Japanese, and I thought, oh, this could be pretty good. So I went to it, and the Showed us the kind of first alphabet because there's three alphabets in Japanese, and I was like, "This is pretty easy, to be honest. It's not that difficult to write. It's not that difficult to memorize." And I thought, "Okay." And then basically after that, I studied really hard for about four or five years. Took my tests. Wow. No, but here's the not impressive thing. Okay, so I studied really hard for four or five years, but then it got to. This part of the language that、uh, it's like a sort of formal thing, and I thought, okay, I'm not interested at all, <laughs> and I just I、mm, kind of stopped、mm. studying,、um, which is a bit of a shame. I'd like to go back. So, can you explain this formal part of the language a little bit? Like, what does it mean? Yeah, of course. So, English doesn't really have anything similar. I know, you know, if. You're listening to this. You're probably thinking, "Oh, my teacher told me that this is like the casual word for this or that."、Um, but in ja- in Japan and in Japanese, they have what is very kind of formal or polite language, and the the verbs completely change. So, for example, a Japanese verb,、um, like the in- the infinitive verb from the dictionary, will end in an u sound. Um, and then the kind of regular form that we would just say,、um, like I would use in this situation, for example, ends with mas. But when you get to the formal language, the oh, I can't even, I don't even know how to describe it because I don't understand it.、Um, <laughs> it's a nightmare, honestly. But they change it basically, and it's polite form. It's to show respect. So. Usually, you will hear this language when you're a customer in a store and the staff person is talking to you. When they ask you, "Please wait," for example, if I was talking to Josh privately in Japanese, I would say like "chotto mate kudasai." So like "chotto" little bit, "mate" like wait, and "kudasai" is please. But in a store, they would change this and they would say "shosho mate kudasai." So. They change chote and they change mate, and it just when you're learning the language, oh my god, it's、mm. like a one eighty. It's very very difficult.、Mm. So we're happy English does not have this. <laughs> so it sounds like what English does to be polite is we use words like please or could、mm-hmm. or would, like could you please, would you please,、mm-hmm. um, or maybe we add a whole sentence like would it be alright if you <laughs> waited. Um, but it, it looks like ja- it sounds like Japanese uses different grammar to show 
politeness, different verb forms yeah, to show politeness. Yeah, which is completely different to English yeah. as well. It's a nightmare, actually, yeah. because when you're learning, it's just so much to take on. But I, I, I think our listeners will be thinking, oh, but English is really difficult as well. Why don't you just say please? Why is it could you, would you, do you yeah, mind? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you're right, like, that that's a very difficult aspect of the English language, what, like, what we call modal verbs. Um, like, in my experience, students really struggled with modal verbs. Um, and maybe that's your experience, <coughs> too, when you were teaching in Australia. It definitely is. It's the first time students look at it, it's a very difficult thing. But I think when they start to use it they sound so much more natural you know their english really does level up so um it sounds like you have lots of experience with um different japanese people because you've lived in japan before um what would you say are like some of the um main features of um japanese society and compare it to australian society Ah, oh, that's a tough question, actually, because, you know, when I lived in Australia, I and I, I was working as a teacher, I was mainly dealing with people from different backgrounds, you know, so my class was mm, very diverse. Mm. And I, I think maybe that's point one. Japan is like a very homogenous country. Of course, there's foreigners. Um, but if you compare that to the amount of Japanese in the country, it, it's very different. Whereas Australia is a country that is kind of built on immigrants, you know, so there's lots of people from different backgrounds. Um, so with different backgrounds, different cultures. But I think if we are going to make a general statement, like a little stereotype, I'd say that Japanese people are a bit more reserved, so they're a little bit more shy, for example. Mm -hmm. They won't always um, talk about how they feel, like their true feelings. Um, so there's a few uh, kind of ideas in Japan that, for example, if you have a difficult situation, um, you need a bit of help, you don't ask anyone because it's a little bit impolite. It seems like you are being... Mm, a little bit selfish. So let's say I'm really having a problem. I can't go to work. I feel really sick. I will probably go to work because I don't want to make my co-workers, you know, a little bit stressed or I don't want to make my boss stressed. That would be the situation mm, in Japan. Mm, mm. In Australia, I feel more relaxed because I feel that the general atmosphere in Australia is more relaxed. I don't know why. Is it the weather? Is it the beaches? <laughs> what is it? But I feel like in Australia, people um, are a bit more open, relaxed and happy. Um, so that's the big difference I noticed. Mm. Yeah, I wonder what the reason is. I, I'm thinking about the history of Australia and... Um... Australia was kind of seen as a dream country for um, Englishmen. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the eighteen hundreds, um, you could um, the government would send you to Australia, and they would give you a block of land, and then you could become a rich farmer. Mm. So we have this idea that Australia is the land of freedom, or the land of a, a land where you can make a lot of money, um, and 
there's this idea that Australia doesn't have the same class system as um, the UK, where the UK has a very clear lower class, a working class, maybe a middle class, and then like an upper class. The idea is Australia doesn't have this class system. It's completely false. There is a class system, <laughs> but it's it's probably a bit different to class systems in other countries like in the UK mm. and maybe even in Japan as well. Um, and I think this I, this idea of the class system, this maybe this is somehow related to um, Australians being like relaxed as a stereotype. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm relaxed, yeah, I'm relaxed. <laughs> I think yeah. it's, you know. And I think it's. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah? No, I was, I was just going to yeah. say, like, it's interesting because I feel like when you go to some places in Australia, like I had a student who she uh, was from Chile and she was in the Gold Coast for quite a while. And she was telling me, oh, everyone in the Gold Coast is so relaxed. People walk about with no shoes, da, 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 da. And it was so interesting for me to hear. So in my head as a... Um, you know, as someone who's not Australian, I think like the hotter you go in Australia, the more relaxed it gets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was definitely like that in Darwin. Everyone was so relaxed, yeah. and I was the one teacher from Melbourne, and um, the head teacher said, "Josh, you just need to relax because you're like rah 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 rah," and everyone's like, "Oh." oh. <laughs> So, so she told me that I needed to, I needed to relax, yeah. um, and I was a little bit offended, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a really yeah. interesting point, though. You know, I, I wonder what the difference is because you know we're not talking too much about the UK, but because I do come from the UK, I, I do understand that, and it, it is really interesting. You know, um, the way that things are. Um, I think in Australia, it's just a very interesting country to visit if somebody's listening and they've not had the chance to go to Australia you can I definitely recommend it because it's so diverse that I can't really say Australian culture is like this because mm -hmm. I feel like different mm -hmm. cities have different cultures that will be the same all over the world but I think it's so different in Australia especially Melbourne Melbourne is very very diverse lots of different cultures and I really honestly you know it's an interesting thing that you know Josh knows what I'm talking about our classes were so mixed I feel like half the time I was learning about Thai culture then Colombian culture then Turkish culture it's amazing mm -hmm. when I was in Australia yeah and um yeah just I think I'm a good example of how diverse Melbourne is or how diverse Australia is you know I'm not um I don't have an English background and most we say the word Australian people. all right yeah so um, I'm a good example of how Melbourne and Australia are really diverse um for example I don't have an English background you know most people you say the word Australian and they think you know white person blonde hair blue eyes something like this and that's not me. I've got brown skin and I have black hair. Um, my father's from Sri Lanka. My mother's from Mauritius. Um, my dad speaks English. My mum speaks French. Um, the world, yeah. So I think a typical Australian person is actually 
not necessarily a white person. A typical Australian person could be Asian or brown or white or an immigrant or an Indigenous person. There is no typical Australian person anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's a very interesting yeah. point, actually, yeah. Okay, so that is the end of our episode today. So, dear listeners, thank you for listening to today's episode. You can follow Iona on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Iona, if you'd like to share your links. Yes, please. Um, so on Instagram and TikTok, you can follow me at Teacher Iona. And on in- t- and on Twitter, you can follow me at Teacher Iona E-N-G for English. Someone stole my username. <laughs> oh, no. And remember to follow me. All links are in the, in the description today. It's the Comprehensible Australian Podcast. Today's episode was Australia versus Japan, an ocean away. Stay tuned for next time. Bye. Bye, guys.